Hi, everybody. My name is Robert P., compulsive overeater and food addict. Um, I, I do qualify as a 100-pounder. I can quickly say um, I've been abstinent for just over three years. It was three years in January and imperfect abstinence, but abstinent from my trigger food and by the grace of God, have food neutrality. And um, I've released over, I've released almost 350 pounds with OA and my higher power. And I'll tell a little bit of my story because I tried a lot of other things before I came to OA. And um, so I always had an issue with food, I think, growing up. It was it was my first addiction. I do have some other addictions that kind of shed light on this addiction, but it was my first addiction. I can remember from an early age, around seven, probably younger than that, using food other than what we use food for, you know, other than nourishment. I used it for to numb myself out, you know, to not feel, you know, I've heard people say it made me feel better or whatever. It just I didn't want to feel whatever it was. You know, whether it was a happy emotion, too, like, especially now in program, I can talk about that a little later, too. I give me a crisis. I can deal with a crisis. You know, I'm not having food thoughts now that I deal, with, you know, but sometimes happy. I don't always know what to do with or the come down, you know, after a big thing, after a big event. It's kind of that, you know, so I still watch that. So it's an everyday thing. It's something I have to do every day. But, you know, uh I was overweight child, um, morbidly obese, you know, so everything that goes with that, you know, not a lot of friends, a lot of isolation. I had, I had some core friends. I was probably around 300 pounds when I graduated high school. My highest weight was over 600 pounds. I stopped weighing and um, was on every diet I could think of, usually high-volume diet where you could eat a lot of certain foods and... Um, I never had much success. I've heard people say, you know, yeah, I lost some weight and, um, you know, for a few weeks, but then it always came back. I mean, maybe, maybe a week was the longest, honestly, probably the longest I ever could commit to a diet before I was just defeated. And I thought it was something wrong with me. Like, why can't I do this? And it was reinforced by other people, right? Like, why can't you do this? Just don't eat that. Just exercise more. Well, great damn advice. Great advice. You know, great advice. I wish I could because I've tried, tried everything, but I just, I, I couldn't get it. And there was some denial there too. I, I mean, I wouldn't weigh every time I had to weigh, you know, maybe a year or two or went to a doctor or whatever. It was always higher. I always dreaded it. I was always shocked by the number, even though in the back of my head, I don't think I was. It was just, I was faced with reality. Um, I tried many different pay and ways and stuff, but then I also, um, had lap band surgery. I have that, I think 2014, and it did not work for me because I'm a food addict and I was cheating day one. <laughs> you know, there were certain foods that you have to eat clear liquids after. And I just, I, I, I was cheating and I was telling somebody this story the other day. I remember that first day that I cheated and went to a place to get something and because I was so motivated this is what we were talking about everyone it was like this is gonna be it 
this diet's going to work. This surgery, this is it. And just put everything in it. And then, you know, that day two, I was just like, oh, crap. You know, like, this didn't work either. You know, so more weight, put on more weight. Eventually, my body started giving out. I I had ulcer on my leg. I was going to lose my leg. I was told I was going to lose my leg at 30-some years old. And I didn't, it didn't do, it didn't get to me. The disease was stronger than that. The disease was stronger than my desire to live, honestly, and um, in my disease. And uh, I was going to lose my leg, and then I had perforated bowel, had multiple surgeries that year, Uh, three surgeries, actually. And um, I touch on this briefly because it's a huge part of my story, but I ended up getting addicted to pain medication. And um, that brought me down really quickly and got me into treatment. And that's where I learned from OA. I learned about OA. And um, I remember being in treatment for the drug addiction. It was very public. I work in healthcare. And um, I'm a provider. And so there's a lot of guilt and shame around that. And a lot of guilt and shame around the food addiction, too. Even more shame than the public drug addiction like it, it was even more shame around the food. And one of the last days, one of the nurses gave me a, a pamphlet with some information about OA and I was pissed. I was like, how dare you think me sitting here at 600 pounds has an issue with food? How dare you, <laughs> you know, like crazy now, but I, my disease just didn't want me, didn't want it to be addressed. Like, let's not deal with this. So I would go to my treatment, you know, it was a day program throughout the week and I would binge after and went to some OA meetings here or there, binged after, lied about, you know, hid, you know, never told anybody and just a lot of lying. Six months in, I was clean and sober for six months and my therapist looked at me and said, you do know you're not in recovery, right? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you're not in recovery. You, you're, I said, I mean, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I read, you know, I read the big book. She's like, yeah, but you're not in recovery because you're using food. Your disease spot in your brain is still being lit up. You're using food. And I was so angry at her because she was so right. (laughs) And um, she really wanted me to get into treatment for the food addiction. And we found... We found a place, um, she said her only requirement, what, what she wanted was something that worked it as a 12-step program and saw it as food addiction, not just an eating disorder. You know, saw both, addressed both issues because she really thought that was my core problem. You know, she's one of the people, a lot, there's, a, there's several, but that really saved my life. And um, it was hard to find a place, but we found a place I didn't want to go, and I said, well, I can't get the time off. And then the time it was happening was exactly the time I would be off. Well, I don't have enough money to go. Well, I had just enough money to go, and I looked up. I literally looked up at this guy, and I was like, fine, I'll go. <laughs> you know, fine. Obviously, I'm supposed to go. And I got abstinent down there. I was abstinent from sugar and flour for a week while I was down there, and I started learning, like, really mm, – learning, really hearing, really understanding the big book, really hearing it for the first time, not just going through the motions, not just 
checklisting my recovery, actually listening and applying it. And these people there got it. Like, I got, you know, when I first went in for the drug addiction, I was like, oh, you know, these people get this part of me. But when I came in, I was like, oh, no, they get me. Like, this is like, this is my issue. And I, I've tried to tell stories, and I do have stories of, you know, when I ate and binged, and for that first few while, I try, I tried to, um, tried to shock people with my stories. Haven't shocked anybody yet, because most people are like, yeah, I did that too. I'm like, really? You did that too? And um, so, when I came back, I, I relapsed. I kept relapsing on sugar and flour. And I was working the steps, but I wasn't working them well. And I I skipped over two and three. That was my problem. I skipped over it, you know, you know, higher power and then, you know, give it to our higher power, right? So um, I believe that my higher power can restore me to sanity, and then I will let them. And I was like, well, I believe in God. I grew up with God. I mean, I know God. I can skip this. We're good. Well, the God I grew up with, I was very angry at, and I didn't trust. So it's not a great person to put your trust into to save your life. But so I had to, so I had to get over that. And but what I did different when I went down there to that treatment, when I came back, I was honest. I was honest about any binge I had, and I told people, and I stayed connected to meetings and to people in treatment. And I um, I remember ordering like over $200 worth of groceries one day of just junk food. And I called somebody and I said, a friend of mine that I still talk to every day today. And I said, I just ordered this. I'm going to eat it. He's like, okay, great. Thank you for telling me. So are you willing to throw it away? <laughs> and of course, I didn't want to. I said, well, I don't want to. He said, well, that's not what I asked. Are you willing to throw it away? And I was. I don't, it's something in me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. But I I was, and I was angry about it. He said, well, what are you going to do now? I said, well, I'll go to a damn meeting. I was going to go anyway. He's like, great. Call me on your way. So I was getting ready for the meeting. I was so angry. I got on my knees, and I screamed up at God, crying. And I said, if you think you can do this, I'll give you one chance. And I was abstinent from sugar and flour from that day. It just happened. It wasn't like a miracle, like, you know, like, well, it was a miracle, but it wasn't like this moment of clarity. And no, it just happened. But I wasn't abstinent. I was still binging. So I went down to a three-day retreat. And I've been, that was January three years ago. And um, been, you know, abstinent since then. And people ask, what happened? What happened down there? What was said? I'm sure it was great, but what happened was I couldn't sleep the first night, and I laid awake and just developed a relationship with my higher power. Literally talked to them just like they were sitting there with me, and and I started working the steps aggressively with a sponsor. So what I do now is um, so now everything that comes with rec- with my recovery, right? almost 350-pound weight loss, everything that comes with that, things that I thought were impossible, things that my weight prevented me from doing. But more than that, it is the food neutrality. The food does not call me. It does not. Do I have food thoughts? Yes. But I can play it all the way through 
yeah, that looks good over there. You can just have a piece. No, I can't. And I know that innately. That that didn't happen right away, but that second voice that I had a sponsor that said that new committee member in your brain, the new committee member that wasn't there was like, oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. They're not loud at first. They're quiet, but it gets louder because I can, I can see somebody eating something. Yeah, that looks good, but I know I can't have it. It's just those thoughts come together. Um, the thoughts get more frequent when I'm not doing my program. When I'm not doing every day what I need to do every day. I need to do today what I did yesterday is stay abstinent. You know, the person who's been abstinent the longest has woke up the earliest that day because I have today. I have to wake up, and for me, I weigh and measure my food. I commit my meals to my sponsor. I go to meetings. I sponsor. I have a sponsor. Um... And I do my prayer, meditation, and a reading every day. And I do that. I know I've shared on here before, before I get out of bed, because it's hard for me to do. <laughs> and um, that helps me remember to do it before I get my day started. So, like I said, it's not just the physical recovery. It's the emotional, because the food, every diet, everything tells us the food is the problem. For me, as a food addict, the food is not the problem. It was the solution. It was the solution to my spiritual problem, to my emotional problem. It was the solution. So I have to get the food aside and become abstinent and get those alcoholic foods out of my system in order to be able to address those problems, the spiritual malady that we have. And that is working this program every day. That's working the steps to the best of my ability, not perfect, as thorough and as honest as I can do at the time. And that's what I'm responsible for. I'm powerless over this disease. That doesn't make me a victim. I'm powerless, but I'm not helpless. I have to do the footwork. That's my responsibility. I have to do the footwork every day. Um, and I struggled with the powerlessness at first because I'm like, I went through a lot of trauma growing up, a lot of trauma, like I know a lot of us did. A lot of times I thought I would be dead, you know, at the hands of people that were supposed to care for me. That. Gentle one, reminder, five minutes, dear. Five minutes? Okay, thank you. So, um, you know, I went, I had a lot of trauma growing up like a lot of us do, and um, I, I don't know where I was going with that. But what I do want to, sorry, I, I do this, but I do um, want to say this in the last five minutes. So I'm a provider at a hospital, and I had a patient yesterday that had, is anorexic and is there because she's severely malnourished. And she has some recovery, I found out, in another program um, in AA. It was such a spiritual experience talking to her because she is ready. And, you know, that's why we are addicts. We talk to each other. We can sympathize, empathize with each other, but call each other on our bullshit, too. And she is there ready. Now, do I have, did I ever have an issue with anorexia? No. Did she ever have an issue with overeating 
are doing all this. No, but we got each other. I understood why she does what she does, even though I don't do it yet. I don't know where my disease will take me. You know, I never had an issue with alcohol yet. It was drugs, you know. I don't know where my disease will take me. I had a sponsor to always say, add yet at the end. So, but you, your, your, your program might be different than mine. Your issues with food might be different than mine, but we're all together and we all have the same solution and we all can understand each other. And um, I just think that is a miracle. I think that is a miracle. And I'm so grateful to my higher power every day for leading me to OA in the, a very dramatic way, <laughs> right? But um, that's how I know it was my higher power's plan and not mine. Because I wouldn't have chose to do it that way. I tried for 30-some years, and it didn't work. And um, I know my time is about up here, and I'm just very grateful. Um, everybody who's doing service today, and also for being asked to be at this meeting tonight and speak. Um, my name is Robert P. I'm on the Eastern Coast. My phone number is 229 395 6565. And I prefer text first because I get a lot of robocalls. And um, with that, I'll pass. Oh, thank you, Robert. Um, would you care to leave us a topic to share on? <clears throat> um, I say let's just share whatever's on our hearts today. Whatever's on your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, thank you, Robert. I'll shut off the...